Today, we flip the script. A partner and select one of four agents on my team, JM Partners of Atlanta Fine Homes, Sotheby's International Realty, Chad Carotis, interviews me. Almost 20 years ago, determined to carve my own path within the real estate industry, I started with no car, a minimal wardrobe, I mean jeans and a tank top and some flip-flops, and little to no connections. I was relentless in pursuing success. My circumstances drove me to learn the industry inside and out and to treat each person that crossed my path with the utmost respect from a place of service. Within two years, I was ranked as the number two agent within a top Atlanta office. Since then, I have been a top producer in Atlanta and within my brokerage today, Atlanta Fine Homes, Sotheby's International Realty. As I've continued to grow my sales and business, I've been voted one to watch, best in Buckhaven, best in Atlanta. Today, I run our team, JM Partners Atlanta, a top real estate team in Atlanta. We are a team of real estate experts who provide their clients with the same respect and fortitude that has been with me from the beginning. Often noted for our forward-thinking marketing and providing white glove service, I founded our team to ensure that each of our clients receives the best. Chad and I talk about how to break into luxury and build a top team. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast was created for real estate agents across the country to come together, sharing ideas to take your, their, and all our business to the next level. All right. Welcome to the Jerry Metcalf podcast. I am Chad Carotis, and today we have a very, very special guest. She was hard to get in touch with, but we were able to book her, Jerry Metcalf. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you, Chad. It's so great to be on the Jerry Metcalf podcast. I've heard so many things about it. I know, I know. I'm, I'm surprised we could book you for it. Um, so this might be a little, a little foreign for Jerry. So bear with her if she tries to start asking me questions. So we're just going to, you know, talk to Jerry about kind of the podcast, about how she got started and her journey and what she's learned and so on and so forth. So without further ado, welcome to the Jerry Metcalf podcast. Great to be on the show. Awesome. I have to pat myself on the back. Notice I've already like really let this happen. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so Jerry, your podcast has become this massive, massive, I don't want to say movement, but yeah, right, let me provide a little more context. So we just got back from a, a team trip at Jerry's place in Rosemary Beach, Florida. Um, and we met up with some of the scenic Sotheby's agents. And, you know, watching and talking with Jerry and these agents, it was so fascinating for me to see how you built up such a dynamic 
network. I mean, they were talking about, you know, Blake was talking about selling $8 million houses and doing these crazy big deals. Um, so I guess I just want to talk to you about how did that all start? I mean, how do you become an industry influencer, so to speak? Tell me about that journey. First, should we tell everybody who you are? Yes, I am on the Jerry Metcalf Partners team. And uh, this is this is a part-time gig as uh, a podcast host. So forgive my rustiness and she makes me a little nervous. So, um, but yes, Jerry. <laughs> Everybody, this is, I have to do this. This is Chad Carotis, the top producer on the Jerry Metcalf team or Jerry Mac, with Jerry Metcalf Partners in Atlanta, Georgia, quite the superstar in Atlanta and in business at large, for those of you who don't know who he is yet. Chad, I'll let you take back over now. Thank you, Jerry, for that. <laughs> so your podcast, how did, first of all, why did you start the podcast? What was the reason? Um, let's start with why. So I started the podcast because um, I think there's maybe like three reasons or there's always just one. Um, I was at Sotheby's International Realty when I started it. I'd already been in business for at least a decade, maybe 15 years, because it's been 18 now. This show's about three plus years old. And every time I go to a g and I'd meet these brokers. And I'm like, these guys are like amazing. And I was always so curious. And I kept meeting brokers who were just these huge producers. So there are a lot of reasons why um, I started the podcast. I think the biggest one was I always felt when I got into business being an agent, I got in it, people laugh, but because I was broke, it's my famous answer and I needed the money. And then I, um, once I got in it, I found that I thought, gosh, if I had known real estate agents a long time ago and the way they do business, I probably would have been a better, a lot better off in life, even though I did start in my twenties. So that being said, I'm going to g and events and meeting agents. They're amazing top agents giving me insight. Um, and they became friends and I thought, well, they're friends for this week, but I may not have a referral for a year or two. How am I going to keep connecting and learning? And that was one of the ways the podcast evolved. The other one was I had always, this is answer number two. So number one, connecting with agents of Sotheby's. Answer well, and almost it seems like a yearn for mentorship because you yeah. interviewed the best agents in the country. Um, so it's almost like, I mean, it was an excuse for you to pick their brain, which is awesome. And that totally makes sense. But what was the second reason? Yeah. And it was just a way to, like you said, to stay connected. And the next one was, so always my train of thought. I'm a okay interviewee, I suppose. But the next one was really because um, I really have always enjoyed the idea. Everybody like our green screens. These are our listings, by the way. This is our latest that we just sold in 10 days, the holiday home. Um, just a little plug in there. But the next reason why I started the podcast was because I really, um, I'm trying to think which answer I want to give you first, but it was because I really like helping other agents. Not only do I like learning and bonding and developing relationships, but I really have always had a passion for helping other people be better. And by having this podcast, I could do that in a way that really helped our community, helped the industry of real estate. I remember when I became a real estate agent, I was like, before I became an agent, I was like a couple of years before, before I was broke. I was like, I would never do that. Like who would do that? And then I got into the industry and by kind of coincidence over the years, this has become an industry that people aspire 
to be a part of and has become a little bit glamorous as opposed to something that you don't want to do. But in that process, the, the podcasts out there always seemed a little bit chintzy, a little bit like, here's how you're going to make a quick buck. And people are like wearing their hats on backwards, which that's fine. But for what I wanted to do and how I thought of the industry, it's not about how to just win a deal and how to make a buck. It's truly having a servant's heart and delivering business at the next level. And when you learn, when I truly learned to love this business was really meeting people at g at Sotheby's was people who were really just being the best version of themselves and sharing that with the world. That was a long answer, but in short, it was to be mentored and to mentor is answer number two. I think that that's fantastic. And you touched on an interesting point. Um, Well, lots of interesting points, actually. And one thing that I know you always, always preach, really, is that to truly make a difference in an industry, you have to add something to it. So I just think it's super, it's awesome and very, very admirable that, and and not only by just making a difference, but it, it makes you more successful, too. I mean, there's no doubt that you've been immensely successful in it, but also providing value for other agents instead of looking at other agents as, oh, that's my competition. That's who I'm up against. So yeah, no, I'm sure our listeners can attest to uh, their gratitude there. But um, I'm going to add on to what you said. Yeah. Since it's really your show today, but hey, anyway, but adding on to that, to what you said, to reiterate what you just said, is that when an industry is dominated, It's typically dominated, not by the person, the company, the entity that came in with the intention to dominate. It's the one that came in and truly contributed. Absolutely. And I never even thought about that until you just said it, but you're right. Interesting. So you want to hear the third reason? Yes. Oh, sorry. Yes. Hit me with third reason. The third reason randomly on like a Facebook ad, this is probably the stick that broke the camel's back or what really triggered it and made me go, yeah, I gotta do this. Um, It was like on a Facebook targeted ad to my social media page on Facebook. It said, the quote was, never speak to anyone until they know you're a someone. In our industry, Everyone tends to just call people and go after people and be relentless, which there's nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, it's important that people know what you have to offer. And when you become someone and you flip the script and they're calling you, it makes the difference. And the first way to do that is media, i.e. podcast. Absolutely. That wasn't even the real, if you would ask me on a conscious level, is that really what I wanted? No, but it sure was a good excuse because that's what was paying the bills at the time is winning business. Right, right. Now, talk to me too, Jerry, and this is where I think the overlay is really interesting, is now we're moving into a new world of marketing, right? It's not just billboards and we buy your home guaranteed. If anything, it's the opposite because people can smell bullshit or inauthentic am i allowed to curse on this show actually it's my show now yes i can or inauthenticity yeah, who's funding it I'm just <laughs> from yes. from um, from a mile away um but i think in talk to me about how has content marketing which is what this is transferred over to success in luxury marketing so i love that question because i think the answer is never what people think it is 
there's always this, oh, you're doing the podcast to get business. Like who's going to interview agents to get everybody interviewing people to get business or interviewing people in the sphere of influence of their market. Um, but to answer that question is, well, let me reiterate, because I'm going at with too many answers. Ask the question again and don't edit anybody because we're going to have too much fun if you yes. miss out on the fun if you do. Okay. Ask the question again. So really, really my, my question is, talk to us about the importance of content marketing yes. in the sphere of luxury. So that is a loaded question. I know. Run with it. By that. I had another answer before. Oh, uh, well, what I, I mean, what, what I meant by the question is you, you, you add value in your marketing, such as this, this podcast, even though the podcast wasn't the, the original intention wasn't to advertise, Hey, I'm a real estate agent. Call me if you want to buy or sell. Right. But in turn, it has that effect, even if it's not as yeah. I feel like you're leading the witness. I'm, I'm giving you a hard time, everybody chatting up. But yes, you. But but really and truly on the content marketing, there's a thousand. There are a thousand answers to that. And one is, and on one aspect, the podcast is, you know, wow. If they're good enough for her, they're she's good enough for me. The other thing is in interviewing people that are producing a hundred plus million a year. It is uh, like, it's kind of obvious, but maybe it's not. It's amazing how much, who you spend your time, show me who you spend your time with. I'll show you your future. Right. Interviewing people over and over and then developing those friendships and relationships, you start thinking at new and different levels and seeing things very differently, which that isn't the direct answer of like, okay, so you've got content marketing, people come after you. They do, but more importantly, and I think what's missing is that it's really not even about that you're doing things that are like getting people to come after you just by just having a show. It's that you're spending time and having conversations and seeing things differently. So you do things differently so that your results are massively different, period. So it's, it sounds like authenticity is key. It's and a level of, there's the, I can be authentic and not have that and not really like be valuable to the ideal customer. It's right. about like being on a new frequency, thinking on a new frequency, seeing things from a different perspective because of the way the people that you're interviewing while you're simultaneously growing your business as a real estate agent and your team, by the way. Absolutely. All right. Um, another a big question. So you had kind of touched on this and now and you had said that now being a real estate agent, it is not what it was 20 years ago million dollar listing and shows like that have made it almost a, a sexy kind of, I don't want well, a dream job, honestly. Um, what would you tell a freshly minted college graduate or college dropout or whatever, but someone that looks at Jerry Metcalf and says, I want to do that. I want to sell luxury real estate. I want to be that mega producer at that price point. What would you tell that person? Well, I know what to tell them. I would want to know why. Why they want to do that? Yeah. To give you a little bit of a better answer, how about when you want something, do you want it because it looks fun and glamorous and you want to be in the spotlight and be the glamorous agent on TV? Or do you want to do the things every day, be in touch with people, call people, help people, get people in the home of their dreams, have the ability to negotiate and market and wear 
20 hats and do you want the creativity or do you need to be told exactly what to do and how to do it? And even if you have either of those there are different personalities that are successful, but really I think it's, I would ask them why and, or I would say, make sure you know why, what is your why? What do you want to do? What would you tell your 21, 22, 23 year old self with a license, assuming you started today? Today, I would say, again, let's just make an assumption here. Assuming that your goals are to be a multi-million dollar successful luxury real estate agent, the first thing I would say is find a great mentor, decide what you want, and don't be afraid to pinpoint and make very specific goals. This is exactly what I want, what I want to accomplish. Because when you know what you want, it's a lot, where you're going, it's a lot easier to get there. Once you get on the path of getting there, it doesn't mean you can't change, but you're going to get a lot further being very specific in your goals and what you want to do. And why are you doing it? Be honest with yourself. Why? And there is no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer to that. But when you know your why and you don't kid yourself as to why you do things, why you do things affects what you're doing and affects how you understand yourself and your results and where you get. Very good. Very good, Coach Metcalf. Um, so back to that kind of state of mind, almost like you were talking to your younger self, tell me about one of the biggest mistakes that you've made and how you would avoid it if you had the opportunity to do it again. So FYI, everybody, I love asking this question and I forget to tell people when it's coming up and I didn't know it was coming up. So now I got to think really hard about that. There've been a lot of mistakes. One of the biggest mistakes I've made, and this is a broader mistake, like over the period of my career, is not understanding that other real estate agents really aren't my competition. Like really. Well, if anything, they're your allies. Right. In the tech world, yeah, that's a little bit more cutthroat and competitive. But coming in, it was such a cutthroat industry. It's so competitive. Yes, it's competitive. But it's amazing how when you understand that you're going to do business with the same agents over and over and how you treat them and how, what you're like to work with really affects your career. I mean, really more than anything. When I look back at my successes, yes, my clients have got to hire me and trust me, but that comes from the relationships, the camaraderie, what I'm learning on the ground every day. It's not like there's really an intense training program for this other than learning from being with, working with other agents and making sure you're good at what you do and they want to work with you over and over again. So that's probably one of the biggest mistakes as far as like, let's ask you this, Chad, because it'll bounce back onto me. What is one of your biggest lessons learned in your career so far? Well, um, I, I think, you know, and I actually had this conversation with someone yesterday, they were thinking about getting into real estate and they basically said, well, what, what should I do? And back to your point, and I know this is beating a dead horse, but it it is so much about finding a mentor and not just a mentor, like, Hey, will you be my mentor? You have to find someone I think that you respect and value and really trust their opinion, because I cannot tell you how many times I have, you know, we've been in a situation and Jerry says, just do this. And I'm like, are you crazy? Like, no, or, but I'll do it because I trust her. And it 
works out, even though I would have done the polar opposite, fell on my face and had to learn from the mistake myself, there's a chance that Jerry's probably already made that mistake. And that's why she's so confident in her convictions in telling me how to address it. And the other thing I think that's important when you're finding a mentor is find someone that you, you, you see eye to eye with. Like Jerry always jokes and she's like, oh, you're my soulmate, my soulmate. Because we, she goes, I get you. I get you, Chad. I, I get you. And, and at that point, kind of like, like that. Keep going, keep going. Exactly. But I, I think that is so important because if I was like, no, you don't, we're totally different. That's why you're wrong. That's why I'm right. You know, if, if I had that mindset, it would be totally ineffective. And then the whole mentor thing would be, I mean, it would be a wash. Um, but I think learn that absorb, like I learned all Jerry's mistakes without having to, maybe not all of them, but most of Jerry's mistakes have been imparted on me or the wisdom she's learned from them have been imparted on me. And I didn't have to make them myself because Jerry already did learn from those lessons, paid for them and bounced back from them. So I think that that is your answer. That's how to hack, hack the real estate system. So number one, have a mentor, which that's, yeah, mentor is everything. But number two, and it may be too recent to share, but you, can you think of any shareable things that you've learned where I said, do that. And you were like, are you effing kidding me? And you did it anyway. And you were like, oh, okay, it worked. And what um, from that when you thought it didn't work and it did? I think, is it about a last impression perhaps? Oh, I'm not looking for the answer if you have it, but that is an interesting one. Well, yeah, I, I think that, so for example, we just had an incident where a client and I did not see eye to eye. And this was the first time in my career that this has ever happened. So I'm, I'm like, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I live to please. That's all I want to do is over deliver, over deliver, over deliver. So when I hear about an incident where a client didn't feel that way, um, it, it, I, I took it really personally. And of course, you know, I, I talked to Jerry and sought advice and guidance and everything. And she coached me through it. But the main takeaway that I learned from that is to always leave a good lasting impression. Even if you have to scream into your pillow before you pick up the phone call about how much you just, you don't want to do it or can't stand it. You just have to keep your composure, stay professional and leave leave a, a solid last impression because that'll speak more about you and your character and I think that that is a, a big thing that Jerry has learned from me it's not about not about how much money you make from a transaction sorry I'm talking over not about how much money you make from a transaction but how you make the other person feel because that ultimately is what makes you successful how you make the other person feel and to elaborate on that it's not about compromising your values it's about making sure that other person feels good when they walk away from the transaction that they feel heard and everybody this is going to turn into a chris voss interview but everybody has what's more important to them than wanting the deal at the end of the day whether it's being heard knowing that they know every little bit of information that they could possibly know and knowing that everybody's leaving the table happy loving and with no resentment yeah, or as jerry likes to say find the black swan what's the black swan well, now, yes, and exactly. And when you know the black swan, you can figure out how to leave the last impression with the lasting impression, also knowing what kind of personality they have. But that literally, all of that, everybody, is coming from 
um, Chris Voss never split the difference. Never split the difference. Yes. And I, uh, another thing about Jerry, I, I probably never would have read that book had she not forced us to. And thank God she did. <laughs> um, because that it, it truly is a life-changing book. If you haven't read or listened to that book, I would highly, highly encourage you to. So I'm going to um, another party. I'm going to give you another like tidbit to your question, unless you've got a question you'd rather. I, I, I'm the captain now, Jerry. But I'm trying to answer your questions. Uh, <laughs> but you can move on. You can move on. Where do you see the future of our, actually, this is a two-part question. Where do you see the future of our industry? And how is that going to differentiate a good agent from a bad agent? Oh, that's going to wrap right back around what I want to talk about anyway. So where do I see the role, kind of like, where do I see the relevance of an agent going in our industry? Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah. Yeah. The agent, the broker agent dynamic, just your, your 30,000 foot view on. Well, no, because you know the answer to this, don't you? Yes, but our audience doesn't. Well, sometimes I'm like, is he really asking or is he leading the witness because he knows what the answer is? Um, I actually don't know what the answer is, but. I think that in our industry, there are two directions it's getting pulled in. There's the one direction of, especially in luxury, or not especially, sometimes in luxury, an agent's an agent, you've got to be an agent, and they're just going to hire the agent. That's it. And there's this other spectrum of, it's got to be a team, 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 leverage, 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 make an assembly line. That's the only way you can really survive in this business or be happy and do it. I don't think either one of those things is true. I think at the end of the day, our industry, so brokerages gotten to a point where it used to have small brokerages. Now you have huge companies or you have teams. And then every once in a while, which actually we have an interview coming up with a boutique brokerage. So I may have to completely null and void this answer. But what I'm experiencing in our industry is that at the end of the day, the brokerages to make it because of the direction of our industry, technology, resources that we need and they can provide, it's really going in the direction of bigger brokerages. On the flip side of that, I think is agents to be able, remember when as technology came over and Zillow came in and all of that good stuff, remember when everybody was like, oh no, we're not gonna need realtors anymore or discount commissions are gonna discount and all of these things are gonna happen. That was like what everybody was so sure of. That's not what happened. Then there was, oh, real estate companies need to be a technology company. <laughs> Well, that was kind of the same assumption. That didn't happen. Some real estate brokers, just, they, and I don't mean one in particular, everybody, are still have their focus on that. <laughs> At the, there we go. He's laughing now. Y'all should see him when the camera's not on. And then it gets really funny. Anyway, and then, and then at the end of the day, it's what a real estate agent needs to do for the client is actually be a real estate agent. On the flip side of that, the real estate agent to do what they need to do needs the best technology, resources, people, information, the best of everything. The way to do that, there is no one brokerage that's right for everybody. It's different brokerages are different for different agents, depending on their market, what they want, their volume, their price point, their values. At the end of the day, to answer your question to the real estate agent, I'm prefacing all that to say, in the world of real estate, it's become, becoming very relevant that you have a good team because it's all about your client. 
And it's not about having a team. It's not about your ego. It's not about making life easier, even though that helps you deliver better. Because at the end of the day, it is about the client. And our team, for example, we truly believe that our clients deserve the best. And there is no one agent, not even Jerry Metcalf, not even Chad Carotis, that not even Bridget Posey or Adam Vickers, that can deliver to their client everything that they need at the highest level alone. Well, it's not humanly possible. Yeah, to do that and to make a living. And the best things are never done by one individual. They're always done by a dynamic group of talented people, talented people. And that is where the successful agents, the agents that make it are gonna go. And I believe the rest of agents it's going to become more and more irrelevant to the point of you're either typically great, a great doctor, a great attorney, or you kind of become irrelevant and don't make it. Right, right. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is to be a true advisor serving at the highest and best possible level, you need, I mean, you really just need uh, uh, to surround yourself with it surround yourself with people that complement your skill set in the interest of your client because otherwise you'll spread yourself too thin and then you you won't be able to uh, too much technology there's too much opportunity there's too many ways to get business and you need to do that and in in one and a broker can't do that all for an agent either and an agent can't do it all alone and that's where you really need the right group and team of dynamic people and we are advisors we are also market experts. We are also connectors. That's how we make deals happen. We are also bringing back to the topic I really wanted to bring it to that's really, really important more than ever is the ability to negotiate a great deal for your client. Really, I think if there's anything that our industry does not focus enough on, it's how to properly negotiate because you can have a great negotiator and a bad negotiator. And there's this perception that a great negotiator is going to run circles about and about. Often, yes. But if you have two great negotiators, there's so, especially the dynamics of buying a home, there's so many pieces of the puzzle that can come together. And the, the deal for both parties can be so much better than it ever would have otherwise if you have two really great agents representing their side of the transaction at the highest level with competent. Do you remember, Jerry, you told, I, I, I can't remember if it was from an interview that you had, and I think it was someone else that told you this, but you, you really liked it and you shared it with us. Um, do you remember what I'm talking about when it comes to negotiations and making a deal happen? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Who was that with? I don't remember. Unless I was hoping you would know. It was with, um, I think it was with Michael Dreyfus, who's in Sotheby's in um, San Francisco. But I said, you're not, when you're doing a deal, you're putting a deal together. You're not tearing something apart. You're building something. You're doing a deal. And that comes That's- back to the, the civilization, really, with the other agent, with your co-oping agent, with your peers, your colleagues. Um, yeah. So I think that great, great, great points. All right. Um, so we are going to wrap it up in a little bit with the final three Jerry Metcalf podcast famous questions. But before we do that, Jerry, I know a lot of viewers and and listeners are really interested because right now, like you said, 
the hot, the buzzword is team, 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 team. And when we hear team, a lot of the other influencers and wildly successful agents preach this model of an assembly line. You don't, you take a very different approach. Tell me about how you structure a team, why you structure it that way and the significance of that. Um, I think a team, so like to your point, we get a lot of questions. One of the most common questions I get is like, how do I build a successful team and how do I structure it? I do think that's probably a little bit different from for everybody. Like sometimes the assembly line, the million dollar real estate agent, that structure for a team is right for certain people. But at the end of the day, talking about our team and how we structure it, and I think it's more aligns with having a team that truly serves and delivers to a luxury client is actually modeled and learned after, well, has it been hundreds yet? A couple hundred interviews. The team model that really came together and really I have seen work and proven is what Becky Fry in Dallas, Texas does. So what she does is she has a team of, it's about the same size as ours. So we'll talk about our team. You need a team of agents with different personalities that can understand different markets and understand different clients. In our team, we have four agents. Then you need people in the background who can serve that and serve and specialize in their specific special specific specialties of doing it. So for example, Becky Fry, and we do the same thing. You have a listing manager and the listing manager is in charge of everything listings, everything paperwork for listings, listing paperwork, photo shoots, entries, and, and specific market marketing specific to that listing. Then you've got someone who does only closings and handles only transactions. Some people call that a closing coordinator. Some people call that a transaction coordinator. We call her our closing manager. So the closing manager, once it goes into contract, she takes it, she makes sure the paperwork's in, the documents are done, anything that's needed or signed. Most of it, people listening know the general concept of what a closing manager is. Those two people are behind a desk at all times. Third, we have what we call the marketing manager. That, by the way, so we've got Layla's our listing manager, Hannah's our closing manager, and Jack is our marketing manager. So the marketing manager is the one that really spends time with Becky, or in this case, Jerry Metcalf, the leader of the team during the day, because you need to understand the team, know the team, be on the ground with the team, be able to execute things for marketing off the cuff all the time for the team. It also handles operations and other different things that the team needs to be, i.e. we call be the glue of the team, which is actually what we call Jack. So that is the structure of our team. In our case, on top of that, we have our podcast manager, Rokan. And that's just an extra because Rokan is in the background helping us with the podcast, which also integrates with social media. So that is a general like overview of the team for somebody asking themselves, like, how do I build a team and how do I make sure I'm doing it properly? It's You've got to have salespeople. That's what this business is. You've got to have real estate agents. What does the real estate agent need? And the people delivering to those real estate agents, what do they need to understand best and be best at for the model of your business? And in most cases, it's listings, closings, and marketing. So you have departments, i.e. a beginning. You have an assistant for each role and the departments for each role. And the first assistant is the person that's the marketing manager that's doing everything until you get busy enough to hire the closing manager and then you hire the listing manager. If you want a virtual assistant that helps other people, you would actually start with the closing coordinator. Then you would hire the assistant that's the marketing manager, keep the closing coordinator, and then hire the listing manager after that. 
What would you tell Jerry, an agent that maybe let's say they're doing mm, 10, 15, $20 million a year. They wanted to start a team. They aren't quite sure they're overworked. Their family hates them now because they're never at home. And they think a team is the answer to all of their questions. They can make a ton of money. They can leverage out all their work. They can grow and scale and, and just retire. What would you tell that agent? Be careful. <laughs> Elaborate. So I would go back to, you know, get the why. Everything's about why. But when you build a team, it's important to know a lot of agents want to just bring on another agent to handle the extra business. If you bring on an agent to handle the extra business, you're just giving your business away to another agent who's going to get frustrated because they're coming for support and they're not going to get it. You've got to first make sure you have the infrastructure in, your, in place with assistance, one or two, to support your business and support it well and organize and systems and stream everything streamlined so that then you have the capacity to bring on another agent. It's the assistance that you need. Once you get that, now you have the capacity to bring on another agent to support your team. And you can't hire an agent for you. I mean, at the end of the day, it needs to help you out or does it make sense? But if you bring another agent just because it's going to make your life easier, you're about to make somebody else's life hell. Figure out how to fix what's wrong for yourself because that gives you the model to bring those team members in. At the end of the day, a team for me, again, it comes to the why. I believe like this may sound wooey, cheesy, like this girl must be kidding me. But we, our purpose is to make, is every day we wake up or I wake up, how can I make other people's lives better? Number one, I better make mine really good to be able to make other people's better. So don't worry, I'm not completely selfish. But in doing that, it's the same thing in building a team. Got it. Yes, no, I love that. So it sounds like you got to have the infrastructure for yourself. You got to know what you're doing before you start expanding. So you need to have that thing like a well-oiled machine. Um, and you know, that reminds me actually. So yesterday, Jerry and I were having lunch with uh, Brian Fairweather down there on 30A with uh, the Jonathan Spears group. Um, and Brian said something, I thought it was a great analogy. If you get a job at Chick-fil-A, you're not going to go and start saying, hey, let's add more paprika to the seasoning. Let's, you know, you know what, mm, instead of my pleasure, let's say, you know, you're welcome. I don't know, whatever. You're not going to go reinvent the wheel there. It's already invented. It's a proven model. So I think taking that mindset in, you have to have that model. You have to have those core values, the my pleasure, the, you know, the standard of excellence as on both the mindset front of, you know, I guess values, but also on the operational front. Like I know Jerry, before you even thought about starting a team, you had all your processes documented. You had a system for everything, put it in the drive, copy me, put it in the drive and step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, step six. Even if you didn't need it for yourself, because you're an agent and you've been doing it for 16 years, you knew what the hell you were doing in order to scale that you have to have that, that infrastructure first. Yeah, great. Great way to articulate it. You've got to be organized. You've got to have your infrastructure because everything starts at the foundation. If you don't have a solid foundation, so if you're an agent and you're busy and you're trying to figure out how to grow a team, fix your infrastructure first. People always say hire an assistant and then people don't understand why. It's because 
you've got to make a nice place for people to come first. And you'll answer the question, if you fix your infrastructure with an assistant or two and life is good and you don't feel bizarre anymore to grow a team, then you don't want a team because teams people can bring on. We thrive in our team, but if you don't want it and you don't have the infrastructure for it, you actually just bring more problems into your business and your life, and especially for your clients. So Jerry, I know you can speak to this. So to the assistant point, so it sounds like if you want to start, if, if you're at a healthy level of production and you want to be able to leverage your business, kind of leverage your time as well and start a team, you have to start with support and help. And Jerry, I give you a hard time. It used to be our, our joke about Jerry's assistants. And I know you've learned a lot, Jerry, about hiring assistants and how to know when an assistant is good and when it's not. What are some key things? So what would you tell Jerry Metcalf getting ready to hire her first assistant with what you know now? It's important to know that experience is just not everything. Now, I'll side that with, if you're brand, brand new, it is a lot more important. You need a virtual assistant who has experience and it's okay if they're helping other agents because that's going to give you a lot of insight and the support that you need at the time. As you grow and move forward, the most important thing in hiring someone and hiring the right assistant is actually hiring someone who has heart, who has drive, who wants to learn and who's hungry. And they don't have to be hungry for the money. They need to be hungry to help, be hungry to learn and be hungry to be a part of something bigger than themselves, even as an assistant. That is the biggest, biggest, most important thing in be assistant. The other thing is make sure that how you understand. Find that how, how do you, because everyone will talk a big game. Oh yeah, I want to help. I want to help. And you might like them for a week, but how do you know? How do you know? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you just don't. I mean, think about how many, yeah. right? I mean, I'm going to write down my answer before I forget. It's a great question because they got to have heart and then you got to set them up for success. Except of course, I don't have a pen today because, you know, I just don't. But anyway, um, you know, you don't always know. However, something that will help you know is, many of you may have heard this before, but when you put out, if you go out to a job site and say, hey, I'm hiring a real estate assistant, you'll probably get 200 applications and maybe more. So the way to weed out the people in the first place to interview is to give them very specific things like, hey, which we talked about this, Chad, and I think you saw it on another podcast, but it was like, put very specific things that are relevant to the job and how to do the job. And also slip something in, like put a pink Cadillac in the signature with your um, name and aerial font size 16 and screen record it and send it. I mean, whatever, stuff that they need to know how to do. So that's one way, but also back to the heart. Yeah, yeah. What you're saying. I think that that is so important because so many real estate agents, Jerry and I, especially included, have severe ADD. So to an assistant, you got to have someone to watch your back. So, you know, like that pink Cadillac comment that you made, Jerry, tell everyone, what, why is that important? Well, number one, they need to be able to, there's a lot of reasons why. You need to know that they pay attention to details, number one. You need to also know that when you, like, you get a lot of people who say you can't control everything. Yeah, you're right. I used to try to follow that to a fault. I'm just going to give people the results I want, let them do the job and let them figure it out. Well, here's the problem. There's a happy medium. 
when you don't have to answer number two, set people up for success, you've got to have the tools and systems to set people up for success. And you have to have people willing to slip in the pink Cadillac, Cadillac and the signature when you ask for it and notice that you asked for it and remember. Because it's one thing, either they're not doing it because they don't want to, they don't remember, or they didn't see it in the first place. So when, when you build those systems, they've got to be willing and able to apply and implement those systems because the difference, we've had people incredibly experienced that thought our systems were silly. And when I get in a fix and it's 11 o'clock at night, this happened to us just like last night, we had a transaction. So the, somebody got an attorney involved. They wanted to rewrite the guard. You can't really do that. We needed to go through, find the history of a contract with eight and nine amendments and you know, 15 exhibits. Because of the way we do our systems, it doesn't matter where we are, or what we're doing. We know exactly how they're filed, exactly how they're named, the same way every time. We can scroll through. It was something that would have been impossible that took us half an hour to do because we have assistants in the background that are putting that are doing things and following our systems to a T and paying attention to those details of the pink catalog. Absolutely. Yeah. And it all, all comes back to laying that groundwork and that foundation for success, because I know, I mean, Jerry, you spent hours, hundreds of hours building that. And I think that that's another important thing. Any agents that think they'll just, oh, I'll just go start a team and, you know, maybe make a couple extra bucks. Uh-uh. First of all, <laughs> a lot of money to make money. Second of all, I mean, Jerry is on the phone in like, well, fortunately, I mean, but especially when when we were kind of defining these roles and finding the right people for it. I mean, hours, hours, hours on Zoom. Just nope. This is how you do it. This is why we do it this way. This, nope, nope, nope. And it, it's fr- I couldn't do it. I was like Jerry. Ah! <laughs> so. But the- outcome has been great do what the outcome has been great it's been great it's been awesome um but i'm gonna add to that to what you said a few things and i want to be discouraging if you want to grow a team do it but it's kind of to your other question what you said what would you say to the 21 year old who wants to be the big multi-million dollar agent is that like or having a team it's so worth it if it's really what if just know if it's really what you want because wanting something isn't wanting the end result was it mark is it mark manson who wrote um the subtle art of not giving a fuck i think that's one of his books but one of his his blogs is brilliantly written about how he wanted to be a rock star when he grew up and then he started lugging around the guitar and having to play late at night and nobody's in the audience and he doesn't get paid and he realized this isn't really i like the idea of being on stage and getting you know the publicity and the concerts but what it really but i really don't want that because that doesn't mean that. That means this is what it looks like every day. I actually thrive on training and helping and creating systems and watching them manifest and streamline things where suddenly we go from it's so hard to we're whipping deals out and putting them through and everything's smooth and everybody's job is easy. I love that. So, so also, there are a lot of things that you can do to set up and put in systems and train. Like, yes, we're on the phone with them a lot. But they're also, Loom is a great example. There are videos and there are different things that you could do to create a process where the next stage you can come in and learn it quickly. But at the risk of sounding negative, it's never as easy as it looks, just like being a real estate agent. Just be, know if you're willing to do it and if it's worth it. Yeah, that's for sure. So it's really just about finding that, that why. And that why, I think, cannot be money, correct? 
Money's great. Money's great. But, but money's going to come if the why aligns with the what. Exactly. 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 All right. Um, so our final three questions. I feel like I can answer all of these on your behalf, but I'm not going to. I'm going to let you answer them. What is your favorite book that you uh, is a must read? I'm actually going to give you three. No, you have to do one. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Give me three. Everybody knows what the one is. I'm going to just go ahead and give you the one. And then you got to have the two more. Everybody else does it on the show. I'm allowed to do it too. Okay. All right. The one, look at how disappointed Chad is. Everybody who's not watching, if you could just see his face. I know. I was really I, trying. He's almost shaming me just with the look on his face. Jerry, yeah. Jerry reads a lot, which I, another thing I've learned is it, it, it is important. <laughs> There are a lot of really successful agents on this show who don't read, but I have found it to be quite necessary and beneficial for me. Number one, never split the difference. Seriously, a life changer. Coming to this business, I came into it because I was broke. Reading that book gave me perspective, how to listen, how to ask questions, how to let go when the time is right. And It is amazing what it has done for my peace of mind, my business, my clients, my ability to help and serve them. And really, I remember when I originally learned that book, we had, you weren't on the team yet. We had an assistant and she called me, we're from the South, everybody, but she said, "Um, you can resurrect a deal. She said, I cannot, she goes, I could have sworn it was dead and you just raised that thing from the dead. Um, and that book really, because at the end of the day, it empowers you to be able to help people bring things back together if that's what they want, as opposed to let emotions get in the way. Number two, we were just looking at this book last night. Everybody last night, we were coming back home from our beach retreat, lots of fun um, for the team. But the book is The Surrender Experiment. And the big thing from that book is that as much as we want to try to control and do things in life, if we just let go for a minute and let life give us the gifts and the op- and and receive what it has to offer us. It's amazing the things that will happen. The last book is Fortitude. Dan Crenshaw. Dan Crenshaw. Isn't that Dan Crenshaw? I said Dan Crenshaw. I didn't say Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> Jerry's from Moultrie. Shout out to Moultrie. We do some other accents. Dan Crenshaw. Of course, I'm not going to be any good at him. So anyway, Dan Crenshaw. So Dan Crenshaw the book basically is about being a person of stillness, being a person of integrity, being, and it's really, for those of you who know, he is a politician. He is on the House of Representatives for the state of Texas in, the, in DC. Um, but he is an incredible human being and the insight and perspective that that book gives you as a person is like, wow. Like, I really got to step it up because life is short and I'm going to live it to the fullest while I'm here. Fortitude. So it sounds like just to articulate that a little bit too, Jerry, is a lot of times you'll, you know, on podcasts, it'll be, let's see, the million dollar agent. Uh, I mean, not to throw any of those under the bus because I think they all add value. But what I think is really interesting and where this connects a lot to how you do business is that these, none of these are real estate books. None of these. And I think what that does is it allows you to be uh, not only self-aware, but have empathy and think about people's 
perspectives and how they might think about it, as well as, um, I mean, I guess tactical too, you know, with, with how you manage it, not just this is the script, this is how you do it. And what that does is it delivers such a higher grade experience, ultimately to garner a higher grade clientele, which is you have done incredibly successfully. Um, anyways, favorite tools and resources or favorite tool and or resource? My best resource, that's the question. He's doing my final three, everybody, as you know. Um, the final three for the Jerry Metcalf podcast. Oh, what a good question. My, my, one of my best resources. What a good question. Who came up with this question? This question was my No, I, I, I love Jerry's little like subtle. <laughs> Never mind. I, uh, I digress. That's all right. The best resource for my business is my team. And by that to, um, elaborate is people being around the best people you could be around because show me who you're around and I'll show you your future. That's Collaboration, people, synergy, energy. I'm glad I didn't ask what's your favorite tool because that wouldn't have worked there. A team could be a tool. A team could be a tool. A team could be a tool. That's why I changed the question to resource. I do want to elaborate with one more answer. One of the best resources to launching my business and my career was a lunch that I used to put together every single week without fail of women in business that were potential clients or in the, in the area and in, in, of the market. I was specializing in historic Brookhaven. So I did it at Capital City Club, the country club of historic Brookhaven and literally not being afraid to focus, harness and go in for exactly, decide that goal and go after it. It launched my career and I said, I wanted to be where I am today, a big agent in Atlanta, in Buckhead, Atlanta Fine Homes, leading a team of five agents and not gotten specific first. I couldn't have ever gotten where I am today. Got it. So, so you got to zoom in. Launch is the other resource. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's great. What are you going to say to that? Or? Uh, well, it's almost like, you know, the belief of think locally or think globally, act locally. It's almost that same principle. Uh -huh. You, you got to have a vision, but you have to be able to take the footsteps to attain it. Exactly. Well said. Um, anything else that you would like to share with the listeners of the Jerry Metcalf podcast? Probably, but we could be on the show for hours. Oh, that's. But if you're trying to ask me the final question. Oh, is that what did I, did I. If, if there's one thing that you have, yeah, we would remember on the show and not forget what would it be? What would it be, Jerry? Um, <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> oh, man. What would it be? Um, for whatever reason, this comes to mind because I think it's important is whatever you want, don't be afraid to go for it. Just know if you really want it. Take the action steps you have to, you have to and need to and you better want to take them. That better be worth it to get there and don't wait for anybody's permission to go after what you want whatever that is unapologetically ambitious snap love it snap together no god's like not no. having a part in that not on my show anyways well, thank you jerry thank you so much for taking this opportunity to um sit in the driver's seat so well, not the driver's seat the hot seat um 
And thank you for sitting in the driver's seat, Chad. Thank you. Yes. Of course. Um, yeah, no. So definitely be sure to, what is it? Like, subscribe, give us a rating, thumbs up, share it with your friends. Um, if, you're, if you're on YouTube, you go like this. Don't forget to like, except we never do that on this show. We're going to start doing that. Oh gosh. See what I have to deal with people. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh, all right. Well, thank you again, Jerry. Um, I am sure I will see you very, very soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.